You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun. We are live. We are live early, early on a Monday, on a Monday morning. Was it Monday afternoon for some of you guys? It's Monday afternoon for still Monday morning for me. It's still Monday morning for me. Nobody likes Mondays. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Nobody likes Mondays. But we are live. You know something? I don't even have my red cup with me today because it's so early. <laughs> so if I get dehydrated, I don't even have my red cup. What I do have, though, is, as I promised, the podcast is live. The podcast is live. It is Rogue Talk with Robert Littow. You can go check it out on iTunes or SoundCloud. So this is going to go up immediately after the show. Immediately after the show, podcast will be up. That's true, TM Million. Skip really is a millionaire off LeBron and others. LeBron, T.O., Troy Aikman. He, 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 he's definitely a millionaire. LeBron fell into the trap. I was surprised. I was surprised because normally LeBron doesn't fall into the trap. I was surprised because we talk about this all the time. A Bosch Spice. It's not even about if Skip's right or wrong. It don't even matter, Frank. It's a trap. The trap is to say something, you know, controversial or whatever. And then you want to get somebody to react. Like Kevin Durant does it all the time. Kevin Durant always reacts. So you want to get somebody to react. And then when you react... No, Skip doesn't tell the truth, Frank. That's that's a lie. Skip is doing this for TV. He don't believe half of the stuff that he's saying. Skip, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to break that to you. He may have convinced you that he's telling the truth, but he's doing it all for TV. He don't believe half the stuff that he says. I'm just being. I know this factually. I'm not just making up an opinion. This is about what is good for TV. So of course nobody really cares if LeBron. Is, is friends with Zion or Jay Morant. I mean, you would think you would want players to mentor young players so they don't get in trouble. I think a young player should look up uh, to LeBron. Yeah, obviously, he hasn't gotten any trouble, never been any type of issues or anything like that. What's up, uh, Jamaican Bacon? So, Skip says something, and LeBron, without saying his name, still talks about it, says he kisses black ass. And, oh, man, I bet you Skip... I bet you Skip last night. Uh, what's his what's his what's his wife's name? Uh, Margarine, um, Magdalene, Bernadette. What what's his what's his wife what's his wife's name? I always get it wrong. Um, Margarine, Gloria, Ernestine, Ernestine. I bet you he turned the Ernestine in the bed and he's like, I got him, I got him. He probably he probably text Shannon Sharp. It was like, hey, Shannon, we got him. First segment, LeBron's talking about me. He loves it. That's how he makes his money. It's the trap. The, let, me tell you, let me tell you somebody who didn't fall into the trap, but who used to fall into the trap. Remember Baker Mayfield? And Baker Mayfield was taking the girls behind the Cheesecake Factory, you know, and getting a little something-something. And, you know, the girl went on the radio station and told about it. Some other girls were like, yeah, Baker Mayfield had the burner Snapchat account and was taking girls behind the uh, the Cheesecake Factory. 
You know, Baker didn't say nothing. Because you, the thing about mainstream media is more or less they'll stay away from stuff like that. Well, if you're white, they'll stay away from stuff like that unless you address it. Then if you address it, then it becomes a talking point. So Baker Mayfield is smart up. He's smart up and was like, I'm not going to talk about it. And it'll just go away. And that's exactly, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, the Chuck, the Chuck D and Flavor Flav thing, I don't like. I don't think you should be throwing Flavor Flav out the group for Bernie Sanders of all people. But I guess there's some other issues going on, you know. But come on, they've been together for like 40 years. They got to let that go. So they fall into the trap. So if you're an athlete and you're watching this, I just saw Michael Thomas fall into the trap. Michael Thomas always talking about something, and he let some, some, some guy get to him, and he's over there talking crazy. They fall into the trap. You can't fall into the trap. The whole point, the reason that the, it's not just Skip, but Skip and Cowherd and Doug Gottlieb and all of these, you know, people, Will Kane, you know, all of these guys and young ladies, they say these things to hope that they get attention. And then they want an athlete or an entertainer to reply to them. And then when they reply, they make a full and whole story about it. Michael Thomas does whine a lot. It's unbecoming of a man of the Ohio State University. I, I don't understand it personally. <laughs> I don't understand it personally. But all they have to do is just ignore them. If they ignore them, then they, it doesn't matter. Like every time they try to get Russell Westbrook, and we're going to talk about Russ in a minute, into the trap, Russ says, I don't really care what anybody says. I'm just out here busting ass. That's how you do it. There's nothing to talk about from that. Yes, we talked about uh, uh, what happened with High Noon. And, and But see, that's the thing. Bomani and Pablo not not trying to get anybody into the trap. Bomani and Pablo are talking about just interesting topics. You know, who's the, the best rapper in, in, in NWA? They're not over here trying to get anybody in the trap. But people like the trap. People are like, ooh. You know, it's like it's like high school or elementary school. It's like, ooh, LeBron said this. What is Skip going to say on Undisputed today? Let me go watch. I mean, it's a tried and true type of way of, of getting viewers to your TV show. And it works. It's the trap. That's why I call it the trap. If you, if you acknowledge it, then it becomes a big thing. If you don't acknowledge it, then it kind of fades away. If here's the if you if LeBron didn't say anything, they might have still talked about it, but it wouldn't have been a big thing. They couldn't have connected together. That's what happened when you fall for the trap. You can't fall for the trap. And I don't have my red cup today because it's early and I wasn't ready and all of that stuff. Well, I was ready, but I just didn't have the red cup out. So I don't have a red. I got a red shirt. That's good enough. That's good enough. Now, speaking of, I'm also doing work while I'm doing this. Um, speaking of Russell Westbrook, though, did you see the story that I did about Russell Westbrook? It, it, and somebody went into, here's the thing. You really got to be so scared to go into Russell Westbrook's DMs. So you go into his wife's DMs and tell his wife that you wish that Russell Westbrook and his, his family all catch cancer. Now, just... Just that, in general, is it, some evil stuff. It's some evil stuff. It's the, it's the afternoon, guys. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? That's some evil stuff. You see what I'm saying? And, and it, it's not just Celtics fans. Every fan base has fans like that. Basically, racist 
white fans. <laughs> you know, so so every fan base. Now I think sometimes the Celtics and the Jazz, because you know it's, it's Utah and Boston, you see it a little bit more. Every fan base has that. It's really bad. Now I keep telling people. Now I understand why you know as an athlete you just can't go punching people in the face, right? I, I understand. I understand that. But I'm just telling you, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I think if they let a couple of athletes, you know, punch people in the face a couple of times, it would curtail some of the stuff that happens. If they just got punched dead up in their jaw, you know what I'm saying? I think it would curtail some of the stuff. Because to me, that's like a hate crime. If you, If somebody was on the street and they said, you know, I wish you and your family catches cancer. That would be a fight that is going to happen. You see what I'm saying? The One of the big problems with social media, and when I got on social media, I used to have a big issue with this, and I just kind of learned to just kind of ignore it, is that where I'm from, and probably where most of you are from, is before the you know social media and the internet was really, and, and smartphones and all that, you just couldn't talk shit to just random people in the street. I don't know where you guys are from, but if you said certain things to people in the street, that would be a problem. And so I never understood then all of a sudden we get social media and there's people talking shit to you that you know they wouldn't say in person. So I would get upset about it and say, hey, meet me on the corner. You know where I'm at. Meet me on the corner. And, you know, nobody ever stepped. Nobody. That's the thing about social media. Everybody talks, but then when you're out in the streets, nobody says anything. I tell people that all the time. I'm like, listen, you know, you know where I'm at. It's not like, I'm not a hard person to find. And it's not so much that I'm out searching for stuff. But, you know, when you say, hey, I'm at a fight, I'm at a Super Bowl, I'm at a basketball game. Like, if you really wanted to find me, you could. Nobody ever said. Everybody's always friendly when they see you. So that's what I think. I think so. if they just, you know, you know, I always say this, just do this. You don't even got to punch them in the face. I say if a fan is talking crazy, Right, take the fan, you know, out of the stands, put them in the room with the athlete for about five minutes, right? And just whatever goes, goes. Got the fan, let, let the fan sign like a little a little waiver saying, Hey, you want to talk to Russell Westbrook so bad, so bad, you want to talk to LeBron so bad, you want to talk to Kevin Durant so bad. Sign this, you know. Sign this, sign this waiver that you can go talk to him personally, privately, in this room for five minutes. Actually, make them sign a waiver before they get their season tickets. The waiver says, if you're found to be, you know, disrespectful, racist, or whatever, that you need to go. And if, hey, if they find somebody that can fight, then, then they, that's what they should do. It, my thing is, if you feel like you have to do that, if they beat up the ball player, hey, so be it. And so be it. If they beat up the football player, so be it. So be it. But that's why they got to sign the waiver. Sign the waiver that says, hey, if you want to come in and call people N-words and all of this stuff, that's fine. Just sign the waiver that after the game, you don't leave or you lose your season tickets and you get five minutes alone with this player that you talked about, his family, his friends, his mom, and all of this stuff, called him a bitch, and all of that stuff. You get five minutes with him. 
to say whatever's on your chest and whatever happens within those five minutes, then nothing, you know, nothing, nothing happens. You get five minutes because you want to talk to them so bad, right? Because you in the stands and you yelling and you screaming and all of that stuff. You want to talk to Russell Westbrook so bad. Okay, you get your five minutes with Russell Westbrook. You get your five minutes with him. And say everything that's on your chest. What the guy said, he said he wanted the he wanted the family to get cancer. He called uh, Westbrook a, a pussy. He said that he's all of this other stuff, right? Okay, that's fine. You want to say all that? Get your five minutes, say it to his face. With nobody else around. No television cameras or anything. Here's the thing. You're right. I don't think the NBA want to lose any money. But how many fans do you really think would sign that waiver? Not many. Not many. I bet you, I bet that as soon as that guy, as soon as we outed that guy for what he said on, on Instagram to Westwood, what, what did he do? He, he, he deleted his account. Deleted his account. I can't find him. The, the problem is he got like a real generic name and I couldn't really see his picture. I wish Westbrook's wife would have put his picture in it, so I could have ID'd him on Facebook, but I couldn't can't find him because his name is real simple. He don't disappear. Five minutes. And I don't have a problem with it because where I'm from, if you say something, you gotta, you know, you gotta you gotta mean it. I saw well, who was that? It was that um uh what's the corner from the, the Rams and he got traded to the uh, he got traded to the Ravens. Uh, what's his name? Help me out here. Um, what is his name? I can't think of his name. You guys know who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, Marcus Peters. Remember that video where they were in the, the Coliseum and 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 the guy was talking trash about Marcus Peters and Marcus Peters walked up in the stands and said, where you from, homie? And all of a sudden, the guy backed off. And the best thing about that video is top flight security of the world was like, this is above my pay grade. And they just let him walk up there. They just let him walk up there. They sure did. They just let him walk up there. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying, if you were that... <sighs> uh, so, that's not good. <laughs> Here's the thing. Somebody called me and then the, the the thing. I don't know why it does that. Let's try this again. All right, we're going back live. We're going back live. We're going back live. Let's try this again. All right. We're back live <laughs> because somebody tried to call me. And when they tried to call me, that messed up the live stream. <laughs> that I thought I literally put the, the do not disturb on my phone. <laughs> and they still tried to call me. I don't even know how they got through. Oh, now it's a voicemail. I'm going to have to contact Apple about this. Because if I put the do not disturb on the phone, then that means I don't want to be disturbed. <laughs> Especially by no 1-800 numbers. I don't need, it's a 1-800 number. 
I literally put the, the, the do not disturb. What is the point of having the do not disturb if I'm going to be disturbed? Right in the middle of the podcast of the live stream. That, that, that makes me upset. It really does. But moving on. I guess since we since since we got cut off, we might as well move on to Tony Romo. Tony Romo finessed CBS out of seventeen million dollars a year, hundred million dollar contract. Yeah, I signed the waiver for Will Kane too. Hundred hundred million dollar deal for Tony Romo. Romo NFL players are all upset. Let me tell you how Tony Romo finessed CBS. Tony Romo was never going to leave CBS. Never was going to leave CBS. He never had any intentions of leaving CBS. But this is a negotiation. So in a negotiation, you got to make them believe that you want to leave. Here's that. He don't want to leave CBS because CBS let him do You know, here's the If you go to ESPN, they're going to want you to do like 30 different things like uh, Stephen A. Smith. They're going to want Tony Romo on NFL Live and Sports Center and all of that stuff. Tony Romo don't want to do that. Tony Romo want to play golf, call the football games, and go home. Tony Romo don't want to be working hard like Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> They're like, hey, Tony, we'll give you a show. We'll put you on ESPN Plus and all that. Tony Romo don't want to do all that. Tony Romo want to play golf, go home to his wife and kids, and call games every once in a while. <laughs> but you got to make him believe that you're going to leave. So that's what he did. He had, he had, he told CBS, he had the people saying, hey man, I heard ESPN gonna offer me 20 million. I heard ESPN gonna offer me 20 million a year. ESPN wasn't gonna offer that man 20 million dollars a year. Now, I'm not saying they weren't gonna offer him a lot. They were gonna offer him a lot. But they were, it was probably gonna be like 10 years and it was gonna be over 100 million. But they weren't gonna offer him 20 million dollars a year. But he got CBS to believe that. CBS was like, man, man. Think about how he tricked him. It's the Jedi mind trick. CBS is like, woo, we only had to give him $17 million. ESPN was going to give him $20 million. ESPN was like, we weren't going to give him $20 million. What the hell are you talking about? We was going to give him a long contract, but it was going to be like $10, 12000000 million. So Romo, much better at negotiations, much better at broadcasting than he was as a quarterback. ESPN don't want to give anybody $20 million. Well, he was a better quarterback than a lot of people give him credit for. I, I agree with that. I do agree with that. Peyton Manning is like, well, shoot, if you give in Tony Romo $17 million, I want $25. Meanwhile, meanwhile, you got NFL players on Twitter saying, I'm a free agent. I don't want to play with you anymore. I don't want to play for this team. I want to move on with my career. I fulfilled my contract. And NFL teams are saying, well, that's too bad. You don't get franchise tag. It doesn't matter what you want, A.J. Green or the guy from the Jaguars. It doesn't matter if you want to leave, even though your contract is up. We're not going to let you leave. We're not going to let you leave. You can't go. You can't go anywhere. They're getting ready to sign a CBA that, that did nothing to stop the franchise tag. Imagine in life, right, you work for somebody, and the person you work for can fire you at any time with no repercussions, no matter how long the contract you sign. You can sign a 30-year contract for $500 million, and after one year, they can cut you, right? But in that, that same company that you work for, after your 30 years 
and your $500 million, you say, you know something, I want to do something else, and that company says, you know something, that's too bad because we're going to keep you just for one year and to see if we you know, want to keep you any bit longer. That's, that's the crux of the franchise tag. Look, A.J. Green is an excellent, when he's healthy, an excellent wide receiver. He's been a, a good soldier, never been in trouble, nice guy, community guy, has played for the Bengals, and obviously the Bengals have had a lot of up and downs. They went to the playoffs. He made Andy Dalton look like a you know, borderline Pro Bowl quarterback. He's fulfilled his contract. He's played hurt and all of this stuff. What, what's up? What's up, SDY? He did all of this, and he says, look, Bengals, I would prefer, I'm 31 years old, I probably only, contracts are not guaranteed, I probably only got one last chance to maybe give me a three or four year deal with, you know, 30, maybe 30, 35 million guaranteed, and then I can ride out into the, into the sunset, and the Bengals say, you know something, nah, nah, what we're going to do is we're going to put you on the franchise tag, and then you may never, ever, ever get another long term deal. <laughs> That's that's how the CBA works. That's why Romo made the bet. Romo should think, I don't know who that linebacker was that hit him in the back and let that Dak Prescott end up being the quarterback. Tony Romo should thank him. Because now Tony Romo's had a solid uh NFL career and now gonna get a hundred million dollars for doing nothing. Honestly. Honestly. He gets nothing. He gets nothing. I don't know why NFL players don't do what Kirk Cousins does. That 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 really is crazy to me. Why they don't do what Kirk Cousins does? Because here's what Kirk did. It's not Kirk. Any NFL player can do this, right? Kirk said, "Listen, how much am I worth? Okay, how much am I worth?" And team said, "You're worth this much." And Kurt said, they're like, well, we want to make it five years and $700 million and $5 million guaranteed. No, Kurt said, how much am I worth that you're willing to pay me, right? And they said, well, Kurt, we're willing to pay you $28 million a year. Said, how many years are you willing to pay me $28 million a year? They said, well, three or four. He's like, that's the contract that I want. That is the contract that I want. I want all my money in the three years that you want to pay me $28 million. And that's what he got. And honestly, any player can do that. If and, and honestly, it's a trickle-down effect. If the quarterbacks start doing it, then the offensive linemen will start doing it. Then the wide receivers will start doing it. Then the cornerbacks will start doing it. And then it's a trickle-down effect to it. If I was that, Kurt, whatever. Uh, you know, if I was, if I was, if I was, if I was Dak Prescott, I would walk into Jerry Jones's office and say, Jerry, I don't want a five-year, $200 million deal or whatever it is where you can you can get rid of me, uh, you know, in two years if I don't want. Jerry Jones, tell me how much do you think I'm worth? Do you think I'm worth 25? Do you think I'm worth 30? Do you think I'm worth 32? And if Jerry Jones says, we think that you're worth 25, say, okay, I'm worth $25 million. How many years are you willing to pay me the $25 million straight up? Well, we have paid $25 million for four years. Okay, I want a four-year, $100 million, fully guaranteed, no other stuff. You see what I'm saying? Of course, if Andrew Luck would come back, I think he would have, you know, some, some suitors and stuff. So that's, that's what I don't understand about NBA players. They have the power. They have the power. It's not even so much, it's not like, you know, the XFL or anything is going to take over. It's just that players need to understand they're the league. 
And yes, the owners are billionaires, but let's 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 don't get it twisted. The owners, all of their money is tied up into the because it's cost a lot to to get an NFL franchise. All of their money is tied up into stadiums and the franchises. If there's no football, that's a problem. <laughs> that's a big problem. That's well, the players aren't smart. I agree with that. I see. That's the problem. You know that what? And here's the thing: it's a trickle down effect. I, so I got an argument with this. Someone was like, "Well, if I'm a running back, right? I'm a running back, and running backs, you know, they got short shelf life, and teams don't like to pay them. And so my thing is, so if you're someone like Le'Veon Bell, Le'Veon Bell signed with four years, fifty-two million, or something like that, but you know that he's not gonna get the full fifty-two million. At most, he's getting like 25. To me, if I'm Le'Veon Bell, I'd rather get a shorter contract while I'm still young. Give me my, you know, two years, 25 million or whatever it is, then try to get more while I'm still young. Now he's stuck, you know, with this deal and he's stuck with the Jets. If you know you got a, a if you know the NFL is a short a short shelf life. You need to know how much you can get while you're in the league. Meaning, like that you know, like this is what I got. You can actually balance your but your, your money better. Because I think what happens is is that NFL players are like, I won't have a lot of money for a long time because I signed a five year, hundred million dollar deal, and so they start spending like they got a hundred million, but really they only got twenty twenty five million because they can cut them at any time. <laughs> It's a mentality type of thing. If you if you sign a deal and they say the deal is for $25 million and you know all you got is $25 million, you may look at things differently and then if you sign a deal for five years, $100 million, and you think that you're going to get $100 million. The, it's all a Jedi mind trick. You understand what I'm saying? So so I don't agree. Give me what I'm owed. If I was to, to, to sell BSO, Right, and they said we want to give you two million dollars, Rob. Right, we want to give you two million dollars for 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 BSL. And if they said, and I can understand because everybody don't got two million dollars like sitting around. And they say, Rob, we want to give you a million dollars to start, five hundred thousand in a year, and five hundred thousand in the next year. Right? How would it look if the contract was set up to where I got my million dollars to start? But in the second year, they can say, you know something, we agreed to give you $2 million, but that's okay. But we still get to keep BSL. How would I look signing a contract like that? You tell me. How would anybody look signing a contract like that? How stupid would you be to sign any type of contract in the world that would say, here's the amount of the contract, but, but we can determine Later on, if we don't want to pay you the back half of your contract, but we can still keep your property, we can still hold, you know, all of this stuff. It makes no sense. It doesn't work like that in the world. And let me tell you something. If this was a league where it was black owners and all white players, it wouldn't work like this. It wouldn't work like this at all. Even in the NBA, the NBA is like, is like this. We get, you get all your money. If you want to leave, that's fine. That's fine. You, you can get, like they asked Tristan Thompson. They said, hey, Tristan, you, we don't really want you anymore. Uh, can you take like, 
you know, 10 million or your 17 million and leave? And Tristan was like, hell no. I can still cheat in Cleveland and get my $17 million. I'm not going anywhere. You're going to have to pay me all my money. Now, if a player wants to leave, they'll say, yeah, I'll take my buyout or whatever. But it's the player's choice. It's not the owner's choice. If the owner want to get rid of Tristan Thompson, that's fine. They can get rid of Tristan Thompson, but they still going to have them direct deposits hit. They still, there are so many NBA players that are sitting up in their office, just like me right now, getting a direct deposit. Because they get all of their money. They getting all of their money. Now, before I get out of here, I want to talk about Deontay Wilder. We did, we did a story about Deontay Wilder uh, today. You know, he exercises re, rematch clause. Floyd Mayweather said he would help him. All of these other people are like, he needs a new trainer. He needs to learn how to box. He needs to do all this stuff. Let me tell you something, right? Let me tell you. The, the worst thing that could happen to Deontay Wilder right now is that if he tra changes trainers, he got all these people in his ear, you know, telling him what he should do, what he shouldn't do, and all of this stuff. That's the worst thing that Deontay Wilder could do. That would work if he was going to fight Tyson Fury next year. Like, if he was going to wait, like, a full year to fight Tyson Fury. Then he would have time for all of this. But they fight in July. We talk about March, April, May, June. We talk about four months. You can't change all of that stuff in four months. You, you can't. You can't change that in four months. You can't. Yeah, you're 34 years old, and he's been, you know, fighting a certain way. You can't come in and change that. He don't have the type of skill set where he can go to a new trainer and they can do like a – it doesn't work like that in boxing. It's like trying to change your batting swing in baseball. You just can't do it overnight. You know, so it if like I said, if it was next year, if he wasn't fighting the next year, then that's different. But this year, that's not gonna work. So he might as well just stick with the same team. And I'll tell you how Wilder can win. I, I can only tell you how Wilder can win. It's the only way. I thought about this. I thought about this for a couple of days. It's the only way that Wilder can win. The problem is, with every other opponent that Wilder faces, what he does is it's a very similar type of thing. He's very patient. He waits. He waits. He waits. He waits. And then he gets his, you know, right hand in. He waits. He waits. He waits. His left hook or whatever. He waits and waits. He's very patient. That's one thing that they taught him in the gym that's different from his younger days. He used to be wild and kind of come out swinging and all crazy. They taught him. You know, because he was so wild, his footwork was so bad, to just be patient, that the punch will come. Be patient, the punch will come. And if you watch some of his fights against Ortiz, and it was a split, I can't ever pronounce the guy, Splitzer, whatever the guy's name is, and some of his other fights, uh, when the guys wasn't scared of him initially, and they took it to him, he would always get his ass beat in the early rounds. But he has a pretty good chin, and he has big heart, right? So... He would get his ass beat for a little bit or get outboxed, but eventually these 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 fighters that did not have the the type of uh, talent, he would eventually catch them. The difference with Fury is is that if you just stand in front of Fury and you're not active, Fury will pick you apart. He's like Greg Maddox, uh, Greg Maddox with the with the punches, you know, bam, 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 coming from all over, bam, bam, faint, bam, bam. So he picks Wilder apart. He's picked Wilder apart in, in almost every single round. Even the rounds that Wilder knocked him down, if you go watch those rounds, the totality of the rounds, 
Fury is one. He picks him apart. Because Wilder is waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And Fury is very good at what he does. Bow, bow, bow. Coming from all angles. And Fury himself has a good chin and has a lot of heart. So, how do you combat that? The only thing I can feel that Wilder can do is that he lets Fury be real comfortable in the ring. Normally, Wilder makes other fighters uncomfortable. But Fury is very comfortable in the ring with Wilder. He knows what Wilder likes to do. He knows Wilder has like a little tail when he's getting ready to throw the right hand. He does a little hop. You know, he's very comfortable in the ring. He knows that Wilder can knock him down, but he also knows that he can get up. He knows that he can take Wilder a punch. He took a good right hand in the second fight. So he's comfortable. Wilder has to make him uncomfortable. So how do you do that? Well, and he can't change his whole style, right? So he can't change his whole style. So how do you do that? It's very simple to me. You got to be a little wild. No, no pun intended. You got to be a little wild. You got to be more aggressive. You got to make it dirty. You can't let Fury bully you. You got to go in there and you're going to have to throw punches. You can't just rely on your bam, bam, right? You just can't rely on bam, bam. We know that's, that's worked for you. You got to throw punches in bundles, you know, hooks, uppercuts to the body. And he's athletic enough to do that. And I'm not saying the punches are going to be accurate. <laughs> I'm just saying he has to make Fury feel uncomfortable. Because right now, Fury's like, I can back him down. I can. Fury's like this. Whatever I do, it's effective. I can back him down. I can knock him down. I can box him. I can go to his body. I can go to his head. You know, I can do all these things. Fury's super comfortable in the ring with him. Fury's super comfortable in the ring with him. So Wilder has to make him uncomfortable. And this is something that you do not have to literally change somebody's whole thing. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying if you if Fury can sit back and be comfortable, sees the punches coming, knows what Wilder is trying to do, it's easy work. It's easy work. And now that he knows that he can't necessarily knock him out one punch, but he can hurt him. He can get him on the ground. He can wear him down. So now, like you said, Magic, he got the psychological edge. So I think Wilder, in a weird way, has to revert back to the old Wilder, where he's a little wild. And he's going to get hit. And here's the, you want to go out on your shield? As much If you want to go out on your shield, I always say it's better to go out swinging. It, it's the it's the the analogy I always use is Game Seven of uh, the 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 World Series. Two outs, you're down by one. There's a runner on first. You're down two strikes. It's a three-two count. You down there's two three-two man on first. You're down by one run. Game Seven in the in the World Series. You got the best pitcher up there, and you got your back, right? If I'm gonna go down. <laughs> I want to go down swinging. So, yes, he's going to put himself in more harm's way if he's more aggressive with Tyson Fury because Tyson Fury is the better boxer, more precise puncher. But if you're going to have a fight, then you're going to have to fight. <laughs> There's no need. If, if he just sits there and tries to wait on a punch, it's going, to be, it's, going to, it's, it's going to be the same thing. It's just going to be a repeat. It's just going to be a repeat. And what happens is, is when you're getting your ass kicked, the power, you lose the power. You lose the power when you're getting your ass kicked. Because you get tired, you get hit. It's not even so much that you're hurt. It's that it's just, it wears you down. 
And just about anything, if you're tired and you're trying to lift a box, a heavy box, it, it takes more energy out of you if you're lifting the, the heavy box and you don't have, you know, you full strength. So he has to go in there and he has to be aggressive. He has to be athletic. He has to move a lot. And when I say move a lot, not that just the, the lurch steps, jump to side to side. It should be no reason that Fury is over there doing the Ali shuffle and, and have and have Wild over it doing slow steps, looking like a two-step. He got to use his athletic ability. He can win. He can win. I, I, I do not, I'm not one of those people that have counted him out. Like, I think people do that all the time. When somebody loses, they count they count him out. Oh, he sucks now. He's this, he's that. I don't believe that. The man has lost one time. The man has one loss and one draw. Okay? One loss, one draw. Right? I mean, he's not awful. Like, it, and it may just be a, a Shane Mosley-Vernon Forrest situation. Shane Mosley would have lost to Vernon Forrest a thousand times. That's just sometimes the way it is. Some guys just have your number. For all I know, Wilder could beat everybody else. He could beat Joshua. He could beat uh, Kovnowski. He could beat uh, John Bay. He could beat Dillian White. He probably he maybe could beat all of these guys. He just may not be able to beat Fury. Just air Frankie Randall. <laughs> Sometimes somebody just, it, it's a bad stylistic matchup for Wilder because the way that you beat Wilder is that you you basically have to outbox him. So if you're out, and, and if you outbox him and you're a bigger guy, then you, and you can hurt him. It's a problem. It's a stylistic problem. It's the reason why I thought Joshua had a, at least a 50-50 shot against Wilder because if Joshua fought at a distance, you know, if he fought at a distance like he fought like Andy Ruiz, he possibly he could possibly hurt Wilder if he could just say, now the only thing is Joshua's a little chinny, so you know we don't know. You know what I'm saying? He's a little chinny. But I always thought he had a a, a Joshua had a good shot at him then this summer, like a brawler or something like that. I mean, I don't know if it's you the thing about when you lose in boxing, you just never know. Some people remember when Roy Jones lost to Antonio Tarver, it was a totally, he was a totally different Roy Jones after that, right? But some people can lose. I mean, you, you know, Ali lost to Frazier, you know, Oscar De La Hoya lost to Trinidad, uh, Manny Pacquiao lost a bunch of times. I mean, a loss doesn't mean that your career is over. It's how you come back, you know, from the loss. Mikey Garcia got shut out, you know, by Earl Spence. He came back. He wasn't looking too good against Vargas, but he pulled it out. It's not... You're going to lose. Unless you're Mayweather or Rocky Marciano, you're going to lose at some point. Chop the Tito. Uh, oh, boy, Sir Sarvarovice. I always get his name uh, wrong, and, and my wife always makes fun of, fun of me. Sir Sarvarovice. He just got Chop the Tito's number. But that don't mean Chop the Tito is, is washed. He beat that boy's ass over the weekend. It's how you come back. That's the most important thing. How you come back. Now, like I said, the podcast... It's, go, it's live now. Um, as soon as this is over, um, I'm going to upload it. It's going to be on iTunes. It's going to be on SoundCloud. And it's Robe Talk. You'll see my face in a robe. And it say Robe Talk. And every one of these live streams are going to go up on the uh, on the SoundCloud. Now, I also might, I, I'm also going to get the, the YouTube together. So we can do it all in conjunction. The YouTube, it'll be, everything is at, at one time. So, I'll be looking out for that very, very, very soon. You know, yeah, I'm on Spotify as well. So once I upload this and get it all nice and new, you should be able to see it on Spotify, 
uh, iTunes and uh, uh, SoundCloud. And I'm working on some some of the other ones too. I just got to figure out exactly which ones to, to get to. So give it about, I'm going to do it right now. Give it about, uh, about two, three, give it to the evening and then just go search. And I tweet, I tweet it when it's live. So I tweet it out and then you guys can see where to get it. And I put it on Facebook and all of that good stuff. You guys have a good Monday. And uh, I'll be back tomorrow with new stuff. I'm sure something will be going on. For the best in sports and sports entertainment, check out BlackSportsOnline.com. And you can catch me, Robert Littow, Monday through Friday on TMZ Sports on FS1. Follow me on Twitter at BSO, Facebook, Black Sports Online, Instagram, and YouTube, BSOTV. I'm out.